You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A kiss, as defined by Dan Webster, is something pleasing, a caress, a gentle touch. But there's another kiss that isn't in Webster's. Hey world, we're kids! Some critics say they don't make music, they just make noise. Yeah, kiss! Kiss implies the extreme in the theatrics on stage, utilizing fire and smoke and bizarre costumes and the ever-consistent, constant concealment of their true identities. Speaking of which, Kiss is going to have its own comic book soon. Take Kiss with you. It's fun. Show your friends and be the first. Now. And welcome again to No Time to Turn, a Kiss Nerd podcast. Nerds. And uh, as always, I'm joined by Cap and Alex. What's up, y'all? What's up? From the Something Good Network. Yes, yes. Tons of good shows on there, even though this one might be wrapping up. Well, anyway. Well, end of the road, man. Yeah, we actually commit to our uh, <laughs> conclusions. <laughs> well, we're not there yet. Touche, yeah. touche. There's still there's still some road left. And, Are we uh, going to keep paving the road? Yeah, we're going. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 we're not going to talk about that in this no, episode. Not yet, not yet. But in this episode, we'll talk about something that's probably bound to be controversial in any in any circle you're in, and that's the. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Never mind Kiss's inclusion in it. Just the establishment. The establishment still itself. Just brings up say, conversation. You could do a whole podcast on just the Hall of Fame itself. Well, if you look at this episode title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the fall of 2013, the band was officially nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They had been eligible since 1999 but did not receive their first nomination until 2009. Now, this was the era, at least in 2013 or whatever, this was when uh, you could get fan-submitted votes for inclusions or uh, folks that were outside of the Hall of Fame, you know, uh, yeah, establishment. Even that, though, was a bit of a farce. So, yeah. the, so the way it broke down, though, was all of the audience vote counted as, as one vote. vote on the board so it's like even if you know so if random chance millions of people voted for one artist to get in like the whole world collectively was like yes this artist deserves to get in that counts as one vote on the board it's ridiculous it's it's such a farce it's just it's now we're not getting into that well well let's let's just look at the rock and roll hall of fame like as an institution or whatever you want to call it, it should probably rightfully be called the Rolling Stone magazine, Rock and yeah. Roll Hall of Fame. They're the that's the entity behind it, the corporate entity that put it together and propagates it. Now they go outside their sphere of influence or whatever you want to call it, and it's six hundred votes roughly that that. Uh, decide who gets in and who doesn't um little steven van zant made a pretty insightful observation you know you can naysay it but guess what it's going to be the first thing they write in your epitaph oh yeah or that's that's you know it's for whatever it's worth at the end of the day it may well be the highest honor you can receive from the recording industry probably even greater than that of the grammy 
and it's one of those things where you see touring bands uh, get announced where they say Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Yeah, such oh yeah, and such. they 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 they. they now, run would you with really that. say it's more valid than a Grammy? Or well, how many Grammy? Grammys? How many like? I like to always point at the Best New Artist Grammy. I mean, it is a it is a deep list of one hit wonders mm-hmm. here today, gone today, up to and including Millie Vanilli. Yeah, who didn't even actually even sing on their fucking record. Tune I think the week. Grammys are a to me probably the least valuable you know accolade. I mean, it's the Oscars of the music industry, but it, I don't think they. It's, it's it's a popular music trophy. It's of a popular. That year. It it really acquiesces to commercial success. It's the industry patting itself on its back because they moved. A lot of units. I mean, I think a lot of people would argue that the Hall of Fame is very similar. I think, well, that's, that's you know. I was thinking of the Joe Walsh bit where he just like, uh, the, he gets asked about it and he goes like, oh yeah, it was cool to do, uh, be a part of this, that and the other and, uh, you know, looks good on my resume. Well, that's, that's true, you know, but the it would seem that, it would seem, and I don't know the criteria because I'm not on the, you know, there's, I don't know who the nominating committee is. That, the cycles do that, a lot. That's the that's the question mark. There's 600 people that get to vote on it, but how many people get to do the nominating? You know, it seems to me that um, any given act, the the process to include or exclude any given act would have to be predicated on the idea of you know if this is a Hall of Fame, what you're trying to do is you're trying to set aside the exemplary acts of of rock and roll, not necessarily how they did commercially, but what they did culturally. You know the culture of rock and roll and how it impacted culture at large. But you for that to happen, then by you know by um, Default, you're going to have a certain level of commercial success, but it doesn't always run concurrently, which is why you get acts like the Velvet Underground included, who did not sell a lot of records, were not a commercially successful act, but no. are immeasurably, immeasurably influential. Pistols, the Sex Pistols, another well. one, <laughs> one album. It was commercially successful in Britain, but nowhere else. But I mean, you you say Sex Pistols, and pretty much everybody at least knows their name. My, I think we talked about this on a previous episode. The Sex Pistols didn't sell, you know, a hundred thousand copies of Nevermind the Bollocks in America probably when it came out. I'm sure it's done. You know, it's been almost fifty years, so it's done way more than that. Then. Oh yeah. But at the time, it was kind of a commercial <laughs> flop. That same year, a guy named Jerry Rafferty, who had been a member of Steeler's Wheel. Jerry Rafferty is famous for a right? Yeah, but a lot of people don't even know. They can't associate that name with that song, Baker Street. He sold five million copies of just the single. I believe it. For Baker Street. But how many, you know, how many people, you say Jerry Rafferty, people, huh? Who? I know it. You say Sex Pistols, even though they know the Jerry Rafferty song first in their head, you know, you know, so there's that impact that, you know, and like, to me, the Sex Pistols are kind of like, really the end, the beginning of the end of rock and roll. But you can, that's a whole nother argument debate. But there's a whole other like, uh, but then on the flip side of the Hall of Fame discussion, they didn't attend and in fact left a message. Yeah. That they read out loud that would kind of reflect, you know. If you go to the museum 
and it's been several years since I've been, but there is a a part of the museum that is technically their quote unquote hall of fame because the museum includes um, stuff that are bands that aren't actually in the hall of fame. There's also a museum, a rock and roll museum. So you can go see like there's a section dedicated to punk rock and you can see, you know, the jacket that handsome Dick Manitoba wears on the cover of dictators go girl crazy. Dictators aren't in the hall of fame, but they're in, you know, yeah. Like the original mm-hmm. uh, guitars that Jerry and Doyle hacked up during the Danzig era are in there and stuff like yeah, that. There's a lot of stuff. And if you go through, there's a, there's a theater where they run a loop of, uh, all those, you know, when they induct a band, they have a kind of an induct and an, an, uh, can't even speak introductory film. And before they announce, you know, the band that come on stage, they show those films and then they show a little bit of their acceptance speech. It's like a running thing, a montage. When it comes to the Sex Pistols, all of that cuts out. It gets quiet. That thing comes up, that letter saying we're not coming with no music, no accompaniment, nothing. And it just fades out. And then it goes to the next band. It starts oh, that's right back great. Up again. I love that's it. That's all you get out of the Sex Pistols thing. Uh, there's stuff there that I don't know if they're the actual, you know, they got them as supposedly the actual letters there's a letter from malcolm mclaren to jerry or excuse me sylvain sylvain trying to persuade him to come to england to join this band that he's helping manage called the sex pistols i don't know if it's a photocopy of it they, i'm sure they have the actual in the actual letter in their archive somewhere but uh you know it's presented like it's the real thing anyway i'm i'm going on a tangent <laughs> no but but also another notable one at least they got this guy uh these guys in pretty early the ramones yeah well they are in first time yeah. yeah there's a lot of first timers you know i mean you can't that's another example a band that was never really commercially successful but again immeasurably influential and important and important so there that you know rock and roll culture has a lot of important you know stuff that i wouldn't even call it underground or alternative i mean i think the you know in certainly in the case of the ramones they thought they were going to be a successful commercial band didn't work out that way but that's what and they unfortunately thought. hung up their hat two years before they probably would have became superstars well, yeah but it would take them you know 22 years it was a long run you know yeah. he, i mean johnny ramone thought they were going to make you know, last two years, he was going to make a million dollars and live off that the rest of his life. I mean, he honestly thought that was the way that was going to play out. He thought they were going to be the next Bay City Rollers. Hey, ho, let's go. The chant chant for Hey, ho, let's go was influenced directly by the Bay City Rollers. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. And then that chant was recycled into the opening drum pattern for, uh, uh, Rock and roll radio. Rock and roll radio. Classic. Cap, Cap's brought up quite a few times just saying how you know how bands like Rancid and all these others that were champ- championing the Ramones name like a couple years after they called it quits. Where it's just like, again, you never know. Just like with with the stock market, you never know. But it's like if they just held out those couple more years, something could have happened. Well, I doubt it. I don't think it would have ever happened. I think they would have been always operating at the level they operated at. But either here, it's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll never know. Um, but talking about the commercial acts, though, there are commercial acts that get in to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that I don't personally see where they had any real tremendous impact or influence. Yes, they were incredibly popular, but a band like Journey... I don't see other bands copying anything from Journey. Journey seems like they're a product of other stuff. 
without really extending the line the lineage into something else there's no line traced from journey to something else to me and i know this is going to probably raise a lot of eyebrows for some people but i i'd say more recently i'd say the same thing about a band like the foo fighters you know that's an end point that's where the line stops it's not going to expand from there the stuff that that. the stuff that you're going to you know there's a point where it's like you're seeing um this sort of end over it's like you've reached a point where the stuff that's being influenced by that stuff is really being influenced by what came before it with mm-hmm. them and sometimes without any knowledge of what came before it we saw that but then again we this has been going on since the advent of rock and roll we saw you know there's a movie about a band called x and this is not the japanese Band X. This is a Los Angeles band called X, and the singer one of the, is a, a woman named Exine Servinka, and she makes a comment in a movie where she's like, "You know, I don't think having the influence of a British blues band is as good or as pure of an influence as having the actual blues artists that they derive their sound from." Right, the Robert you Johnsons know, and Delta Blues. Yeah, and all it's that. better to go to the source, mm-hmm. and you're going to get something. You know, if you derive your influence from that, but that's not how rock and roll is. It really kind of comes off of, you know, the backs of the what back, came before. Yeah, it kind of, you know, this is influencing that, and then that expands off of that. But there comes a point where I think you can only go so far with that before it starts imploding back in on itself. I saw a really interesting comment this week, coincidentally. And it kind of threw me for a loop. I'd never, I'd never seen this before, and I don't know if this is actually going to turn into a media buzzword or not. But it was referring to the quote-unquote rock era, and it like, was even highlighted. So I clicked. I was like, "What the hell? The rock era? <laughs> what time period?" And it's essentially this is being defined as a fifty-year period from 1955 to 2005, where rock and roll was the predominant commercial music in driving force of, of of you know popular culture yeah I'm really- and and i thought you know it's interesting because i you look back and you often see the 20s i mean it's often referred to as the roaring 20s but it's also a lot, very often referred to as the jazz, <laughs> jazz age. age yeah and you know there's still jazz circuits and stuff like you that still too, have it but, but it's not the, yeah and so you know you're looking at this and you start realizing i i can see that i can see that most young bands today really are doing affectation mm-hmm. you know it i i see most of the bands that are successful that are working today have their roots prior to 2005 any sort of commercial band but even by the tail end of the 90s you saw the rise of these bands like the hel- uh, helicopters the strokes and the super stuckers the and, and 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 all of them are really kind of patterning patterning themselves after patterning <laughs> can't speak I'm, yes, I am a I'm I'm a broadcaster, right? A professional broadcaster. <laughs> professional. But they're patterning pattern <laughs> <laughs> patterning themselves after something that already exists. They're forming themselves to a form, you know, and and they're not even necessarily working that form. They're just aping the form. Yeah. And and I and like with the helicopters, the lead guy on that very consciously and very openly said, you know, I wanted to expand 
an awareness of this stuff that we had discovered like and it was more obscure like detroit rock right uh to the point like scott morgan and um the the um, fred smith the sonic yes. rendezvous band that was a big 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 influence on so the, the helicopter version on the city slang, city slang. On and, yeah. and their whole their whole reason to be is was the sonic rendezvous band and to another extent radio birdman in a lot of ways too but to a, another greater extent kiss yeah and so where does this put kiss you know uh where did they you know where where does this put kiss do they contribute to this worldwide cultural lexicon are they you know are, are they both commercially and culturally worthy to be inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame i mean he, us as fans i would say absolutely you know i mean i'll say okay i'll take the aspect of not as a fan let's look at record sales let's look at attendance records let's look at cultural significance i mean i can look at artists of the 70s and 80s that I may not be a fan of, but still go, that's culturally significant. Mm -hmm. I could say the same for Kiss. Well, four of the most recognizable faces in popular music that probably, this is according to Gene, I mean, I remember hearing him <laughs> say this in quotes, saying that they are they have sold more gold records, or they have more gold records than any other group. You know what? There was a, there was a formal announcement by the... Um, RIAA, the Recording Industry Association of America, or whatever it is, where they actually formally announced the Kiss being the gold record champions. I meant to write that down. I might have it somewhere. So I remember like Gene saying and it was that around and, this time. And I remember Gene saying that actually on the Kiss Symphony DVD. He walks off after the show and he says he's you know he's being super braggadocious post show. It's like number one group with gold record sales, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame kiss my ass <laughs> <laughs> well but see again they're also just as aware as anyone i mean that's that's a huge accolade and again well what's your opinion on that so you asked us you i know, have gone back and forth on this ever since you know god before they were ever nominated or even being you know spoken of being nominated would they be important enough to be included and Given the influence, and we've talked about this in previous episodes from that early 90s period, you know, that Hard to Believe covers album, then their own self-produced covers album, and just seeing that from that point on, I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't know if influential is the right word as so much as... Um, what's the i'm i'm having a brain fart it's less influential than it is uh kind of impactful impactful or or uh it it, it uh kind of incites you it it it's it's motivates you it's yeah. it's it's maybe not influencing you directly but it makes you pick up the guitar Feel inspired you know, yeah. it inspires you that's the word i'm it's looking like how for many thank you how many kids picked up a guitar because of age free i mean that's know? that's the immeasurable thing there and I'm, I'm like and it was they were i think they were important in in the regards of a theatrical rock act because a lot of the theatrical rock acts outside of alice cooper eventually kind of grew tired of it and dropped the theatrics it got to be too cumbersome or whatever else well, they did or they point. didn't survive well kiss did too to a point 
but they came back to it because that was their bread and butter and that that all plays to a point here but um and talking about cultural significance if people want to kind of discredit the merchandising and the whole shtick of the whole thing take that away what about the rock and roll national anthem rock and roll all night well, it's like yes we, declared we, rock and roll national well well the, well the thing is is like we as fans are sick of that fucking song but everybody knows it everyone yeah, knows it yeah. It gets played it's in so, football stadiums it's right. the main song that gets played on the radio it's like you know again we can be sick of it but just because we're sick of it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not culturally significant i'd right. argue that there have been uh hall of fame inductees that have uh, gotten inducted for way less well that's that was kind of the point i was getting at i think yeah. some of them get in because they have to you know the rock and roll hall of fame now that it has a museum the museum has to generate income Mm -hmm. and so they have to acquiesce to these commercial acts just as much as they do what they think is culturally significant and it's also televised now too the ceremonies what's interesting though is it's not televised at the same again the grammys get prime time a block of primetime coverage every year. It gets put on national, you know, on CBS or whatever. The ratings always tank, but, but well, still a good it's, spot. I'm for surprised it. that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't. It's 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 been it's moved from one channel to another. I think one year it was on like Bravo or something. Yeah, it's you always know, like HBO the, or something. And it's never live like either. And it's it's never live. It's pre-recorded. Edited. Um, but before we get to the to the ceremony, uh, some stuff. Uh, is going on let's let's there was so touch much, on this there was so much going on leading up to this yeah the hype around the hall of fame nomination before the official announcement of the induction just stirred so much we'll, we'll get to that but discussion. before we even get to there let's 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 take a little uh, sidestep here no there's no to time turn. to turn <laughs> uh, because in january of 2014 now that was the announcement of their of them being nominated, nominated. They haven't been, in, in, you know, announced as an inductee at this point. This was only the nomination. Um, so in this buildup before they come, before the nomine, or before the announcement that they'll be inducted, there was a um, surprise appearance in Milan at the Men's Fashion Week, where Kiss appear as models for John Varvados. Yes, and I guess this is some sort of loose tie-in with their dress to cut, dress to kill cover look. They're in suit and ties, and then uh, they carry this over to New York, where they play at the Varvados store in New York City. What is the Varvados store in New York City? Oh, here we go. It is the former location of CBGB, yeah, which is the Cavern Club of America. It's 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 kind of surprising to me that that club was not preserved as a on a national register but seems like you could thank the new york government for that one well the, the property developer yeah or whoever. well that's it is what it is now some might claim this is sacrilege and some might say bravo but i don't really have any feelings about this one way or the other they played the room that was cbgb's they didn't play cbgb they didn't play cbgb back in the day they had already kind of advanced past say, that point kind of odd <laughs> That would have been interesting, though, if like early Club Kiss had played CBGBs. Well, they were they were about a year before that. I was going to say, and uh, they probably would have had they 
You know, they were already like stadium level at that point, right? No, but uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure the exact opening date of CBs, but the first band I think of note to play there was television. They were the first one to come in because you know what CBGB stands for? Country blues, country blues, country. It's country bluegrass and blues. Yeah, right. That was the intended music for that for that venue. The yeah. guy that opened it wanted country bluegrass and blues and then you get this weird and then, guitar and, and, rock band. And then this band called television show up and go well we we play music <laughs> we need a place to play and, and they had of course there was no clientele and so he had nothing to lose and then from that little seed sparked the the american punk rock movement yeah and and we say punk rock it needs to be noted that it what a lot of people consider to be punk rock now was very 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 different then because underground music television doesn't sound like what you would think stereotypical punk rock is no. patty smith group doesn't sound like what pit, typical you know Blondie. talking heads didn't blondie they were all very it was a very diverse all very different from one another anything that wasn't the regular beaten path was punk rock anything it was it was it was it was and it wasn't anti-commercial i don't think any of these groups were anti-commercial they were just anti uh, going corporate back corporate rock they were well they it, john doe from x another great quote the band x keeps coming back he was like we weren't against commercial success we were against manufactured success you know uh which of course that is the way the music industry works now i mean you've got american idol and america's got talent and all this you know it's contests it's very convoluted uh but here they are playing a kind of a hallmark venue even though it's no longer really a venue but um and that didn't really seem to get a lot of play when it happened. I, I mean, it kind of got it got it made the made some news headlines and the entertainment headlines or whatever. But it really fashion magazine. I don't remember seeing this being a really big thing. Nope. But uh, they did carry over the suits uh, to the Kiss Cruise, and they did a Dress to Kill themed cruise. Where they were in Varvatos suits. Yes, though. they were. Oh, did they? They they make a point to say these are Varvatos. Well, they didn't make a point to say it, but they it was clearly the same suits from those photos. But it was kind of cool seeing. But I'm saying make, I didn't know Varbatus had some sort of corporate sponsorship behind the cruise, like no, 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 a presence on the cruise, like their their logo or whatever. No, it was just Kiss was up there in full makeup with their boots, but in suits, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So that's about it. December, or excuse me, the whole year of 2014 is pretty quiet otherwise. I don't have a lot of information or notes written for that. I don't well, know uh, if you want to come they, back behind me. and Yeah, they for 2014, they did hit a tour. Uh, it is interesting to note that in January 2014, on uh, the 25th, they played Dodger Stadium. But... Huh. It was an NHL halftime I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, you I know what? It, yeah, I think yeah. I saw this. Yeah. Where they played Detroit Rock City. Yes, and... it was uh, Lick It Up, Rock and Roll, and I, I Love It Loud in Detroit Rock City. And it was uh, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks beat the LA Kings 3-0. to cool. And that's where Kiss is kicking off January 2024. I can see this as a managerial kind of decision. It's a profile you know, if it, it, I don't, does that get broadcast on television? It did. Yeah. You know, that's, it, that's what it counts. Does, it's, yeah. it is, you're on TV, you're in front of millions of eyes. But I also just find it interesting. Rewind back to 1997. 
They're playing Dodger Stadium, sold out. It, it wasn't sold them. out. It wasn't sold out. That, we talked about that. That was a heavily, heavily uh, papered show, but, meaning but still, lots of free tickets were given out. But sti- it's still a far <laughs> cry from yeah. asses yeah. and seats. Yeah. Asses and seats. That's what I'm getting at. But then this, a sold out show, <laughs> but it's for the game and not them. I'm sure a lot of the and hockey just fans were the halftime show. And I'm sure the hockey fans were like, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, a couple months later, April 11th, 2014, uh, they hop on the Jimmy Fallon show. And uh, they play King of the Nighttime World, Deuce, Black Diamond, Hotter Than Hell, and Firehouse. See, that's funny because I have no memory of that at so, all. So I remember the David Letterman appearance. I yeah. don't recall the Jimmy Fallon appearance at all. I remember the Fallon appearance, and I remember hearing it and really going, ooh. It was bad. They didn't lip sync. It was it, bad. It was bad. This is is this where we start seeing the cracks and the live performances? I feel like a couple episodes ago, it was when Paul had his heart thing. That's right. I feel like around then is when it started kind of starting. Around this time is because I remember the tour before, which was the Motley Crue Kiss tour. By that point, his voice had already been a topic of discussion. So now all of a sudden, he's hopping on doing Hotter Than Hell. Ooh. Ooh, that one did not land well because there's a lot of Paul Stanley high vocalisms on the, you know, the verses and look, gosh, he look high. Oh, God, no. So I remember watching this one just kind of going, God. I think I had my moment with that with the uh, follow with one of the tours watching footage of that, but we'll get to that. We'll and I do want to say that I feel like they're making these TV appearances because of the nomination. So it's the, the nomination had already happened by this point, right? It's probably garnering attention from tele, you know, for the producers of these shows. Well, the nomination has already been released, correct? Yeah, like they yeah, haven't they, been said been they're going to be in. Yeah. Yes, but they haven't been said they were in yet. This is like during the nomination voting period. And we're all, and I remember at this time we're starting to see a, a resurgence, if you will, of Kiss in popular culture. And I think it was calculated because you know, they wanted in for I'm, once. I might have myself out of order here, and it probably very likely do, and this is my fault because I think it was in December. I've got December sixteenth. That it was announced that the band had won the fan vote for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inclusion. That sounds right. Beating out Nirvana and Deep Purple, which is interesting. But like we said earlier, that really essentially counts as a single vote. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that's still the case now, but um, honestly, I think it is. I think it. I think it still is. That means your the fan vote counts as a single vote among the six hundred other voters for inclusion. Um. The band does not seem to care about any of this. They're speaking very critically of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame oh, and its God. induction and process. They're taking a fucking press tour just slamming these guys. They are critical of the critics. A little bit of irony for those who enjoy that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it comes off so fucking schoolyard bullshit. Like, Paul was the biggest voice in the whole thing. You know, uh... But is this the was it around the nomination time where they got the appearance on Rolling Stone or is that later no, on? No, that they that's, that's after that's they after won. They, isn't they, it? Yeah, yeah. That, okay. That actually happens the same week. So we'll, we'll come to back that. to that. But um, so they get, but they they are officially um, announced Nominated. as they are. Well, now they're well, yeah. announced as an inductee for this this class of 
the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's see uh, other inductees for this this class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Nirvana, Hall and Oates, Peter Gabriel, Cat Stevens, Linda Ronstadt, and the E Street Band. Yeah. Not Bruce Springsteen. But the E Street Band. Which is kind of fucked up because Bruce got inducted into, what, 99 or his first year eligibility? I don't his- know, but I don't. Here's now here's where you pause and you step back and consider again the idea of a cultural, a culturally important group. You know, I mean, probably going to invoke the ire. I like Bruce Springsteen. I know you're I like this, the E Street Band, but as a band, I mean, they're the fucking backing band. Yeah. They're important people, you know, but, you know, and from what I understand, they end up eating up the lion's share of the time at the ceremony. But yeah. I'm like, if you're going to induct the band, they should have all been done at the same time. Bruce Springsteen and, and the, the Street, Street Band. band. The band never did anything as a, as a separate entity. They don't exist outside of that context. So this seems like a really hackneyed, ham-fisted, stupid idea. <laughs> Not because they're a bad band. They're a great band. And I, like I said, I really like Bruce Springsteen, but that should have been a package deal. Them getting their own singular honor is really just, to me, just absolute bullshit. It's what about the, most, the Beatles and then the individual members getting their own? Well, they all had, they got inducted as solo acts. They did, it was all for their solo yeah. output. See, that's my point. The E Street Band never made a record as just the E Street Band. Right. If they did, you might have some wiggle room there i don't see it but um there's a lot to be you know again this has always been a this is a super controversial subject anyway the rock and roll hall of fame because there's a lot of people who are like you know oh fucking iron maiden should be in the fucking rock and roll hall of fame man and i'm like you get a whole bunch of acts that are very far removed from rock and roll that are also in the hall of fame you know but the the idea is it's an attitudinal idea uh, you know and which i can okay i'm not going to argue that i'm not going to debate that that there's certain like hip-hop acts that are in included because attitudinally it's part of the rock and roll conversation yeah so i think you know, and they, they, there is a place at the table for that. I don't, ha- I, you know, at first I, I understood, I was like, yeah, that seems like bullshit. But then later on, you know, once you consider that, 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 um, that argument, it's a valid argument, it's a valid debate, and therefore it's a valid, there's a valid seat at the table for it. But probably the most important conversation after the nomination took place was, Who's going to play on stage? Are they going to play? Well, what lineups are going to be? That's where things start getting kind of squirrely. They are told the only members to be recognized are the original four. Yeah. Which, to me, that is the only reason why they're being even included in the discussion. And then you get to another squirrely debate with the Hall of Fame because when the Grateful Dead got inducted, they included everybody. But that was going to be my argument. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, same thing. Every lineup was part of it. I don't think that had Kiss started in 1983, they would ever be in the conversation. I'd agree with that 100%. I don't think had Kiss started in 1983, 
that they that we would they would even have one tenth of the fan base they have now. Because think of everything. The- this cannot be understated because this is this is my kind of thing about my whole argument about Kiss. Everything, everything. Kiss is all centered and built around that original era. And you can even argue it doesn't even have to be those original four. You could make a debate that had they had Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer from the very beginning, that it would still be that original era. You know, it had that, everything that 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 anyone ever wants to think about or talk about is built around the original line or the original era of Kiss, that makeup era. The non-makeup era and everything post, including the reunion, including Psychos, all of that is irrelevant. That's just the aftermath of what their career was, which was the first eight years. And I would 100% agree with that, but I wish I was more well-versed on Red Hot Chili Peppers and Grateful Dead because I feel like the exact same argument could be made for those bands. I highly doubt that all of those members that got inducted were very valuable players to the longevity of Chili Peppers or Grateful Dead. So by that same token, why shouldn't Eric Carr get a little nomination? Why shouldn't Bruce get recognized? Why shouldn't Eric get recognized? They were all part of what made Kiss continue to thrive what better or worse to this very day well, we talk about 1983 being uh the part the the time frame where like not only kiss but a lot of rock and roll that came out in that time period is not going to get any love from the hall of fame whether well, of it's 80s not. kiss quiet riot warrant none of these bands. but that's because they're not important right but but kiss was important much like to a lot of people the grateful dead are important to a lot of people red be, hot chili peppers are I, but i doubt that all of those members are as important as that key group that I everyone thinks of when they think of the dead or chili peppers i don't i don't see a lot of major lineup shifts with the dead but i would say and I don't know a lot about the Grateful Dead, but what little I do know, I would say that everyone that they that was involved in that were key members in their own way. I can see that argument for the Dead, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I know nothing about. See, with, I mean, I, I you with know, them it was like this current lineup that was was the lineup that crossed over, and then everybody else that got inducted was what formed the band and what made like the early albums. That I, I mean, I don't see. I mean, I, as far as I can tell, they largely the only the only turnover spot the Dead had was in the. Uh, keyboard position and i couldn't tell you anything about that yeah they didn't have like eight guys i don't know i don't i don't know but i'm just i i can that's a fair i guess it's a fair argument but i just don't see them as being important players as to the rationale and reasoning of uh, you know i can't speak to other groups but in in regards to kiss which i can speak to because i have some knowledge on the subject (laughs) i I don't see any reason to include Eric Singer because Eric Singer is an employee. He doesn't, yeah. you know, he's wearing literally the costume and, and design. You know, he's dressing up as cosplay Peter Chris. Tommy Thayer is dressing up as cosplay Ace Fraley. They've not even had their own identities. They're not, and which, of course, because that's what Kiss is selling now is just that brand, you know, the brand identification, that brand 
whatever the memory of 1977 and, and so it's like spirit of 76 <laughs> right. and and you know i mean again and it's not because i'm shitting on bruce Kulick, but i mean like i said Ed kiss started in 1983 no one would give a shit they didn't do anything that you know people oh, they sold we've already talked about this you know they weren't on par with all the other 80s acts that were selling you know four six eight twelve million copies kiss were doing a million and that I, was i love that how this was, entire time we mentioned bruce kulik eric singer tommy thayer eric carr still haven't mentioned vinnie vincent <laughs> I mean, I don't think he was ever in any uh, conversation at the time either. (laughs) He was, he was, he was there for the blink of an eye, and I mean, he served his purpose when he was with the group, and he contributed heavily to to what they were doing. But again, okay, that could be a fair argument. A lot of the Vinnie Vincent songs are still played to this day. War Machine, uh, Lick It Up, right? He was a valuable contributing member. I agree. Shouldn't he be included as? much as they hate his guts no because he's again all of us still is pre- he comes after that that point right, again but, but i don't if we think using that chili even peppers if, and dead as a benefactor i don't about know contributing. I, I said i can't speak to that i don't even know who's been i don't know anything about that i mean i don't either but to me, saying, the red hot chili peppers are a frat boy band they're they just are. completely <laughs> irrelevant to anything i don't understand why they're even in the rock and roll of fame yeah but what uh, i'm just saying is if we're talking about though you know the importance of contributing to the band because you were saying just a little bit you knew about uh, Grateful Dead is that you were like each member was a contributing member. But, well, if Vinny was a contributing member to the point where one of those songs are still being played to this day. I don't, but I'm saying the point is, is the Grateful Dead has not made a new album since 1987. And that was the first album they had done in 10 years or whatever. All their albums. And that was in a, that was a, that was both a, culturally and commercially successful record of its time that was their only so yeah so i mean it's a different thing the dead works on a whole different level they had a complete different impact but an impact nonetheless and it was always an important impact lick it up wasn't as near as important of a record so yeah you had people that were contributing but what i'm saying is they didn't these are people that contributed to the whole over our over arching arc of what the criteria would be you know but again pulling back again to what i'm saying the argument that would support your end would be again the e street band important band for bruce but they never did anything you know i don't understand why they're even being inducted i don't understand uh, after that i guess all of the rest of this i can see i'm not you know linda ronstadt is on a for me if I was sitting here and it's not because I mean she was she was really good at pulling out uh, uh, basically I mean she basically Hank songs well anyway it was just I mean she basically did covers yeah you know but she also handpicked and found all the best shit she was really fucking smart and and really talented and those records sound pretty fucking solid for that but time I don't too. know that I would include her as you know, she was. You know, she did a. She had her impact, I guess, to a certain degree. So I don't know. I don't. You know, <laughs> we don't get that's paid a to gray area. <laughs> I know. I'm not on the. But I would be like, I don't know. I think before I went with Linda Ronstadt, I might go with someone else. <laughs> uh, you know, Cat Stevens. I mean, I don't know a lot about Cat Stevens. I'm again. I, you know, I know 
some of the hits. Um, Is it kind of one of those things too, where you got to pick uh, guys that have songs that people know for the TV time? Well, that's and what all I'm that saying. Too. That's my point. Is they've got this museum. They have to acquiesce to the to the commercial thing. They have to bring people in because most people aren't thinking about that stuff. They're they're again. You got people wandering in, going, "God damn, they ain't got Megadeth in here. They <laughs> sold a bunch of records, man. They're hit band, man." And you know, it's like, no, they're not important. They're just not. <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm I'm not saying they're not. Look, I agree. (laughs) I'm not saying they're a bad band. I'm not saying that. You got to understand. But on that, again, on this, this, you know, this, it's an intangible, and it's how do you quantify it? But it's this cultural and commercial thing. It's like where you can point and go, that changed a lot of shit. You know, that influenced or impacted a lot of shit. That inspired a lot of shit. That's a band that's important. They are a bright star in the sky. Then there's other stars that might be in the sky that aren't as important or are as, you know, they're not making, you know, the, what we're looking at is constellations here in the sky. What yeah. you know, There's a billion stars in the sky, but there's only 12 constellations or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not an astronomer, but. But the other big hoopla going around this time is it is tradition that the nominated bands play a song or two. So now that KISS is being inducted, and it's being made very clear that only the original era, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Peter Chris, and Ace Fraley are being inducted, the conversation has now shifted to, are we going to see the original members play one more time? Well, the, the Hall of Fame committee is only interested in having the original band perform in full costume. And this quickly becomes a debacle. Kiss mm-hmm. are willing to perform in full costume, but not with the original members. They want the current lineup to play. They're fine with the other guys receiving, you know, being on stage and receiving the the statue, but they do not want to play with them. Which seems to me kind of, and I get it. They probably feel like, well, that's kicking the teeth to the to the guys we have now. And then I think they wanted. I think there might have been a compromise offered where they would have the current lineup with the two other guys joining them. And so that would have been weird to see two Peter Chris guys and two Ace Shirley guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, even the well, only room- two, only one Peter Chris and only one Ace, but with these, what's the other guys dressed up like them for? Well, the prevailing rumor on that was going to be that Tommy and Eric would still be in the makeup, but Ace and Peter would be on stage in their regular clothes. Oh, see, that's, that's even worse. And I it's mean- also important to note that the main person Really saying no to the reunion is Paul. Is Paul Stanley. Yeah. Gene, when he, and this is what always stoked the fire. Anytime Gene was asked, he kind of gave the non, the non answer leaning more toward just never, the sh- never say never. Yes. It was, it was still a kiss is Tommy and Eric and Paul and me, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, and the Hall of Fame is a joke, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, n- never rule it out. You know, I-, I think it would be nice. One last time could never hurt. And then Paul would be asked. He's like, no. Yeah. So but when you break up with your girlfriend and you decide to go back out to dinner with her, within the first few minutes, you realize why you broke up with her to start with. Uh, so and that's the funny thing about this is we can't really do it again see, with the original. <laughs> see, Gene always wants to keep those doors open because he knows the original lineup no matter how good it was or it will, would be, we'll draw money. Well, you know, I, I, I could, I would, it would have been interesting to be a fly on the wall to listen to these guys go back and forth about this because I, it seems to me Gene was very much, 
if we're going to do this, let's do it with the original guys. Gene, Gene seems very pro original lineup. Around this I can't era, draw money. <laughs> around this era, no, I don't even think it has anything to do with that. No, I was going to say I'm going to pull into something different. I might be a couple years off, and I should double check that actually before I go too deep into it. But uh, this fact or not, Gene around this point has kind of had a heel turn with his personality. You know how he's usually very grandiose, I am Gene Simmons, fuck you, give me your money kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Around this time period, he's become a lot more humble and a little bit more graceful during interviews. Like, he kind of hit that old man, thankful, grateful stage. Well, you know what I think was the, the, the launching of that mm. was his TV show? And you know we've haven't talked about that because I purposefully wanted to avoid <laughs> going down those little side alleys. Uh, but it, one thing I noticed about his TV show was he allowed himself to be the butt of the joke. Yeah, he's still dad at he, the end of the day, <laughs> and that's that's a brave spot to take. But uh, you know, in that show, I mean, quote unquote reality series. Obviously, they're stage setups but this is also the same time period where paul stanley put out his memoirs and kind of, it was kind of put more on front street that paul is the brainchild the head honcho of the band Through more so eyes. than <laughs> she that, that's <laughs> been i think we started getting pushed a little more i know but i think we we've we've talked about that on this show that we you know there was a conscious i don't know if it's conscious but it seemed like a conscious shift where paul kind of took control of the band well gene kind of pursued other interests outside the band and was content to let the band you know roll under the inertia of its own weight mm-hmm. if that makes sense and i think that's true to this day i think gene still looks back wistfully at that original era and then sees that it was that chemistry with those four people and i know that he doesn't i think he understands it's like it's it sucks that we can't make this work you know we're all grown adults here paul's like it doesn't work, and it doesn't suck that well, it doesn't work because is, it works great the way it is. A and, car only you know, runs with four inflated tires. If right, one right. tire goes out, Paul loves his analogies. I know, right? To start well, out with the funny thing is, it, it, it's all endless justification because it, you know why does he have to continuously justify that? Because he knows that the demand that exists. Is for that original lineup. That's every. That's again why I say you can't understate this. That's what everyone wants. That's what. That's so rare and so unique and so special. So you talk about the Grateful Dead or you talk about. Uh, no one gives a goddamn about those original lineups. They're content to have what they have, and there's a, there's a segment of the Kiss audience that is content to have what they have. But by and large, the ultimate core audience fucking want the real shit because that's what was so special and that's so that's what makes it so unique and so different the only other band i could think of that would have this problem had they existed and replaced members would be the beatles yeah i'd agree with that because even the stones were able to trade out members Guitar and do it successfully bass players now drummers yeah i would never have thought they would have continued without you know, Charlie, Charlie Watts. I know. You know, I, I, there was a there was a kind of a saying once saying, "No Charlie, no Stones." But that concert demand is there, so. 
Well, yeah. So, you know, but there's no other band that really enjoys that kind of appreciation and notoriety. And what is it about those four guys? Why is it that? Because they created something that was so singularly unique, even in, even in using the theatrical elements that maybe they had borrowed from other influences. They put it in a way that had never been done before and never has been done since. I can't think of another band that's pulled it off doing that. Nobody. And so it's like it's so unique and so special and so, you know, unassailable. This is what it is. And if you can't get those four guys to perform one song, you know, it just seems like if they're going to go do this for the sake of the fans. Yeah, because that was the other thing. Is they're just like, we don't care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're just doing it for for this is for them. Because we couldn't care less, but this is validating for our fans. No, they're doing it for themselves here at this point. Because what do they do? They t- they take their marbles. They don't go home, but they just go. Well, we're not going to play. Yep. Which like, is to me that's disrespectful to the fans. That's exactly that goes against what he's saying. Thank you. That is the that is not an insult to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is an insult to the fans, mm-hmm. the people that want to see this at least one more time. And it probably, let's be honest, had they gotten together and performed, it would have been the last. It time. would have been the last time, but it also probably wouldn't have been very good. No, but I think <laughs> yeah. you know to get through one, you know, to get through what would they what you know. What would they have played? Rock and roll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I know that. But let's say most bands usually play at least three songs, right? Oh, sure, yeah. What would be the other two songs? I would imagine. Deuce and Detroit. I would imagine Detroit Rock City and Beth. Oh, no, not Beth. You if, know that if, wouldn't have happened. If they had Peter, yeah, we'd have, what other? That's their other their signature hit. hit song. Uh, that I, has I to be. I don't see them doing it that in to any be. universe. I, Gene would, hates that song. It doesn't so matter. Much. It's that's. I would bet that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame committee would have came to them and said, "You can play any three songs you want, provided that it's rock. <laughs> that it's <laughs> turn rock city, death, yeah. and rock and roll." All right. <laughs> God, uh, God Sarah- help us if you play Christine 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have gone over in the Me Too movement. Right? <laughs> I don't usually say things like this to girls your age, but... <laughs> ew, ew, ew. <laughs> when I saw you coming out of school that day... <laughs> you do that a little too well. <laughs> So like the question, Hopper, blue velvet. That, so, <laughs> so at the end of February, they announced that the band will not perform at all. Um, and Ace is getting on Eddie Trunk talking about it. Peter's getting vocal on different radio stations. So you're even hearing them talking well, this about is it. Business as usual. They snipe at each other all the time. It's it's and again this is so schoolyard. It gets a little exhausting listening to these guys cry about. Oh, we were so we're millionaires, but of course, they're, not, you know. they're not talking on the phone with each other. They're not in the same room. They're not saying a word to each they're other. They're in the same fucking car. Well, until I think they at get to point, the fucking room itself for the ceremony. And I don't remember when I saw this, but at some point, Paul Stanley made a comment about Peter Chris, just saying, "You know what? I don't like the guy." Yeah. Why would I want to play music with a guy I don't like? Yeah. I mean, he's pretty upfront about it. He doesn't like Peter. And you have to at least, it's like as much as you may not want to hear it, you at least have to semi-respect the fact that he's like, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I just don't like the guy. And uh, that I can understand. But again, as a, if you're going to do something like this, and especially if you're doing it, quote unquote, for the fans, 
this would be the time and place to do it. Bite your tongue, smile, you, put on and, the clown and white, tell and everyone. Listen, this is it. This is the last chance anyone's ever going to get. But see, I don't think they want to. Can even make it his own self-serving thing and be like, you know, this is for the fans. This is for you. You I, know, I, I don't agree. like this. But Judas Priest just did this. They just got uh, inducted and they got KK Downing back on stage, who went through various lawsuits right. and like this, that, and the other, and it got ugly. But they respected the fans enough to all get on stage to play a few songs well i mean hell metallica when they did their big like three-day 30th anniversary uh extravaganza they had dave mustaine up to play you know early metallica stuff so it's like again if dave fucking mustaine can get on stage with metallica during their 30th anniversary festival it's like jesus christ (laughs) well i think the reason why and you know with kiss it's always second guessing we've talked about this too they're always second guessing that's a card they still have to play. Are we going to see them use it? I don't know. But I'd like to discuss that in further on the next episode. But it is a card they have to play. And why would in they twenty fourteen? And why would they play it in twenty fourteen for for uh, for a single audience? I mean, obviously it'll be a massive television audience, but it's not a massive television audience because these are you know these shows are being shown on like at this point it was being shown on like Trio or Bravo or some most people are watching on, on cable, YouTube days on, later days later. But Alternate even so, universe. even so, why would you play that card when you could make way more money <laughs> off of a much larger on a much grander scale? than this i don't think you can i don't think that there's any more grander scale for them to bow out with the original guys than at the rock and roll hall of fame that's something that will be talked about and would have been remembered forever and right there you just said i thought about this as you were talking about that that might be part of the reason if yeah that's what i'm saying if kiss had gotten back together and played that show it wouldn't have had a near the same impact not, if they do it again. You're right, but right. that made that wasn't what they were thinking. It was we're not going to let the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, this comp, this establishment that's pushed us around for so long, right? We're not gonna, have the victory, right, right, of having the original members because exactly what you guys said: low ratings. If this original lineup holds the weight that we do believe that it does, could you say that that may have been one of the highest rated episodes or uh, ceremonies for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I thought about that, too. Exactly. Why would Paul Stanley, of all people, allow the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to take credit for getting the original members back together when the band themselves can't do it? That's 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 very valid. I didn't think about that at all until just now. Yeah, that's an excellent point. That is excellent. Uh, so the question now is why even bother attending the ceremony? To throw dirt in people's eye. <laughs> you know, Which is exactly what Paul did. Gene went up. He was extremely respectful. I loved well, Ace and Peters. So let's talk about this. They, they, the, uh, the event is held on April 10th at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Um, Peters' hometown. Yeah. Uh, he even says that on his... Uh, his speech. It's interesting here. Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine inducts Kiss. And I thought that was a curious choice. I was like, Yeah, because you, you think did Rage Against. Get, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just, uh, why, why, how did he get chosen? Why was it him? 
because Foo Fighters were being inducted that night. So Foo Fighters weren't being inducted. It was Nirvana. Oh well, he, he was in, who, he was involved with something. Oh, you think? Oh, Dave Grohl. Could oh, have. Dave Grohl so would have done it, but I bet you because I he was involved. I don't know that Dave Grohl's that big of a Kiss fan, is he? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he's on those he like had, eight, on those docks. Yeah, uh, and he had Paul Stanley up on stage for his birthday party. Yeah. Talk about I, getting I like just, the Kiss radio and shit like that in interviews. I'm, who else besides Tom Morello would have been a good choice to introduce them? Oh man, like, or induct them, I guess. Movie star. I mean, you got movie stars. You've but got who, you who? know comedians. Who? I remember, no, it, you know, I don't. I can't see it. I mean, you, generally it's I'll, another musician. I'll, I'll it's never you. a movie star or an outside. I mean, I wouldn't say never. I don't know of anybody else. Other, it's usually a musician inducts another musician. The musician doesn't immediately come to mind, but I have two people that would be kind of off the wall choices. Mm-hmm. One, and he's a fan. Nicholas Cage, mm-hmm. that would have been interesting. And two, if they had not been bickering like little school children for ten years prior, Eddie Trunk. Well, he was there too, hanging out with Peter Chris. He was there hanging out, but think, he didn't induct yeah, and I introduce. I, has he ever inducted anybody? That's why I don't I'm, think I'm, he's that big of a media I'm figure like, to get that got, kind of Usually, it's though. usually another musician. Alice Cooper. That would have been a good idea. Yeah. Alice or. Rob Zombie, mm. but Tom. But yeah, when you think Rage Against the Machine, you don't think Kiss. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, but to his credit, I think that guy delivered a really great induction it was speech. Very passionate. And you know what? And a lot of people are kind of downing on Tom for being the guy to give the speech. But at the same token, I see this is no different than it's hard to believe. The a group of people in this music genre that you wouldn't fully expect showing love to kiss raise against the machine was birthed straight out of that late 80s early 90s grunge movement which is the hard to believe tribute well, what that they came weren't out really of. a grunge band but no, no but they, but they were birthed thing. out of that movement that's what that i'll say exactly yeah, so to for someone from that era the next step of that era to now also be campaigning and championing kiss I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of cool. And it's by the same token of fast forward to today, Green Day is covering rock and roll all night, and it's a part of their ongoing set list. So I think it's just kind of cool seeing some bands that you that usually maybe have kind of gave the middle finger to it or you know kind of shied away from it, maybe kind of owning up to it a little bit more because that whole crowd, whether it be the Rage crowd or the Green Day crowd, would kind of turn their noses up at Kiss. Oh, it's that dad rock, you know. Oh, it's just those kids and clowns and makeup. Well, all of a sudden, now two of their biggest guys are sitting here going, no, kids, Kiss is cool. Oh, I don't don't know that... I wonder if they chose him or if he was chosen for them. I, I, that's what I'm like. I wonder how yeah, they get to come to that. that because he was I could, probably the only person on the committee that wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I could, well, I, I, you know, thinking you about know it. You know he's on the committee. You can think about it, though. I mean, you could just as easily have seen Lenny Kravitz and Duck Kiss. You could yeah. have easily. Well, I wouldn't say Garth Brooks because that's outside rock and roll. Would you say that Lenny Kravitz still has any sort of cultural relevance? Relevance as much as Rage maybe still does. Like you still hear about kids talk same. about Rage. No, about the same. Lenny Kravitz, no, not nearly as much. Uh, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Say, I hear, I'd say about the same. I no, I think no, kids Rage talk is more packing, about Rage. I I think, Rage is packing, packing fucking arenas and stuff like that now with these reunion shows. Len, Lenny's almost talked about in a. Oh yeah, that guy. He's doing TV shows and movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, each member gets up and speaks. 
uh, Gene opens. He's the first one up. And he opens by thanking straight out of the gate, Ace and Peter. Very gracious. And it seems, again, it just seems real clear to me that he he prefers that original lineup. He seems to hold a lot of a, a lot of love and respect for Peter and Ace for whatever headaches they caused, for whatever you know. It, it, it just you know all his stupid, arrogant put downs of Ace and Peter. You know, you can tell though when it comes down to the brass tacks. You know, to him, I think to Gene, that is Kiss. And I, you know, I know Kiss. that yeah, no, Gene Simmons <laughs> of Kiss. And we have done one of a few years. Kiss is Ace, Peter, Gene, and Paul. And you know that just seems very evident when he when he because he, he gets very wistful about that era. And he got a little choked up. He got a little misty. I wouldn't say he was. I don't. I always. I always wonder if that's a little bit of his acting ability to do that but i i'm just saying anytime he talks about the old original era i mean he i think he has at least some generalized understanding of how important that was um peter speaks next uh he very importantly thanks bill a coin yep which was i was surprised he was the only one that did i was gonna say and i was expecting paul to yeah, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> but he he thanks Bill Coin and he notes the band wouldn't have existed without him, and that's very important. You know, if there was to be a fifth member of Kiss inducted, I would have been like, eh, Bill Coin's the guy that really probably needs a, some sort of recognition. By Maybe far. not inducted to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but he needs some sort of. They have some sort of secondary induction, you know. And what was cool is when Peter mentioned Bill, and I think he also mentioned Sean, didn't he? No, I didn't hear him say that. Okay. Well, at least when he mentioned Bill, the crowd did clap. Like, yeah. they knew the they name, knew the and name. they were like, yes, thank you for mentioning him. He also proclaims himself as the Catman. <laughs> and, and he'll always be the Catman. And now he'll always be the Catman, which is a kind of a dig at their continued use of his makeup. Yeah. Um, I love Ace, that, though. Ace gets up and he's very funny and very endearing and very witty gets as the, always. Gets the biggest pop from gets, the audience. Gets the biggest pop from the audience because he has the most personality of the four. Seems the most genuine. I can't say a thing without these glasses. Yeah. <laughs> you even hear a guy in the audience going, "Fucking Ace, man!" Uh-huh. He's Ace. That then you know what? Fucking Ace is right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> That, that instead of fucking a, it ought to be fucking ace. Because <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, I mean, they're all kind of corny and stupid in the stuff they do now. Like Ace's stuff, he does now is so bad. You never liked any Ace's stuff. His solo album in '78 is fucking is classic, notch, great. Everything else, <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but it's not good. He's just playing covers, but, but he's you know, happy. He's 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 funny, and he's you know, and we hear all these nightmare stories how he's rude to the fans, and we hear that about all of them, though. Even most you recently, know, and I'm just it. like, you he's, know what? I don't cranky. Leave him alone. You know what? I don't. I don't. I don't feel that he's obligated to be nice to me. At this point, I don't. Yeah, you know what? I got what I want out of it. And again, we'll go into that on the next episode. But Paul's speech, you know, <laughs> I've, I've I've had a lot of mixed feelings about this because when he first did it, I thought, you know, write the fuck on. But this time, I was looking at it, and you know, he's talking about the fans being the ultimate final word on who isn't or is worthy of induction. 
He's basically putting the middle finger up to it. And this seems like the most ungrateful, self-serving, obnoxious. Well, he's not grateful. He isn't. And 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 that and I don't think it makes it just feel like this is the wrong place and time to do this because it makes it sound like you're ungrateful towards you know the fact that you've even been brought to the to the show. You're lucky to even be here. Again, with little Stephen Van Zant, and I opened with this. It's what that's the first thing they're going to write about you in your obituary. It's the it's going to be on your epitaph. Well, Paul doesn't want the importance you know to be what? there. Well, he thinks he's more important than that. And guess what, Paul? You're not. You're mm-hmm. not. So no. You're not Mick Jagger. You're, you're not. not you're John not Mick Lennon. Jagger. You're not, not. You are Paul fucking Stanley. And Kiss was great. Was but the Kiss that you know it probably eats at his crawl somewhere that he has to know the only reason why he's standing on that stage is because of those other three guys that are there with him and not the other guys sitting at the tables below. That's just the fact, and it's like Gene it understands to, it, and that's why Gene he's at understands peace at it. it. Yeah, and Paul will never be at peace with that, you know. And and I don't. It just to me this time, you know, because I haven't watched this induction speech since they did it, and I'm just like, Jesus, Paul, shut the fuck up, be grateful. And he's not. He's arrogant. He's smug. He's condescending. He's a jerk. There's nothing cool here. He's just being a fucking prick for no good goddamn reason. And you know reason. what? And there still could have been a way for him to give a middle finger while being great. Because you, you Paul, can't. If there's room for him to do that. And Paul, and that's and it's very odd because usually Paul is very articulate. He's usually pretty well, he, good. He was with articulate, his wood, but he still went about it. Oh no, it didn't feel very articulate I to it me. Felt, it just, it just sounded. It was just self-serving, and it's just. And that's why, to me, it, it didn't so feel smart. articulate. If he was being the true Paul Stanley that knows how to kind of cut it with some words, he could have found a way to give them a middle finger while still propping up the idea that they're there a little more. It's just his own arrogance and just hate for that whole committee. I think clouded his whole speech when he could have actually made kind of a. Almost like if you wanted to do like those YouTube top five, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame moments, I think it could have been up there number two with Sex Pistols being number one. Mm. For just like kind of being like, yeah, we're here, but fuck this establishment. Well, yeah. He could have been a lot better with yeah. it. I don't know. I think it was unnecessary. I think at this point, again, it's it's if he feels that strongly about the fans, he would have he it would have been it would have been focused on that. To a degree that was more celebratory and less fucking wagging your finger at the, you know, I mean, there's, it allows, there allows for a certain room of contempt there. I don't disagree with that. I just think that the way he did it again, very childish, very immature was, was pretty immature, but, um, this is notable for another major reason and, um, kind of depressing in a way. This is the last time that the four original members or ever on stage together probably will be the last time the four original members will ever be on stage together. And this is the closing of an era. I mean, this isn't just the close. This is the closing of a book. I mean, this is, this is, if they're never to get together again, you know, everything that was again, I I hate sound like a broken record, but (laughs) everything that made this, the, you know, the reason why we're sitting here, you know, talking of having 39, a podcast 39 on episodes into a podcast is because this is, this is, you know, this was, it was a movement. 
It really was. It was a movement, much like Beatlemania, and it will never be duplicated. You know, that that whole era never I can't think of any other group that really rivals that in the time since. And you'll have sparks of it. You'll have groups that have enjoy moments of massive success, but to the point where you've got, you know, that kind of a dedicated following, you know, there was Beatlemania and then there was Kiss. And, you know, there are bands that have their dedicated, I mean, they, okay, I'll even count Deadheads, you know, following the dead around. There's not a lot of that, you know, you just don't see it very often. You see it a lot kind of in pop music when the um, the flavor of the month but boy band pops out. You get it for a minute. You get it for a minute. That's what I mean. You get the little sparks of it. But like with like, say, if you're going to dress up like say for Halloween, people are go- going up as kids for Halloween. But with like, you know, ACDC, you got one member with a costume, Guns and Roses. You got Axel and S- maybe Slash. Slash, top hat, yeah. long curly hair, sunglasses. Well, they, those bands all have very dedicated fan bases, but it's a little, it's it's just not, it doesn't have the same kind of aura or same magic to it. You know, there's something that was very special about what Kiss was doing. I mean, even Alice Cooper, and I, I love Alice Cooper, especially the original Alice Cooper group. You know, it doesn't sustain in that same level. Um, it's just, it was a very special moment. It existed in its time. And maybe it shouldn't have existed past its time. It probably, we could even say it existed a little bit longer than it should have. <laughs> and I'm not talking about post-19, post-makeup era. I'm just saying even in, in the makeup era. But that's all stuff we can talk about as we kind of roll down to the end of the road, <laughs> which we will examine a little more at length. Although we're forgetting one important thing in this era with the Hall of Fame and Oh, the uh, Rock and Roll, or the Rolling the Stone. The Rolling Stone cover, the only time the only, that Kiss yeah, has ever been on the cover. That's true. That And that came out the same week that they were inducted. And again, I think it's interesting. Like I said, this Rolling Stone controls. It's the Rolling Stone Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it's the first time they've ever paid any kind of serious attention to Kiss. And I think that's also noteworthy only because of the fact that if you wanted to include any of the other acts being inducted that, that night, they could have just as easily been on the cover. But it wasn't Cat Stevens on the cover. It wasn't Linda Ronstadt on the cover. It wasn't Hall Notes. It wasn't Nirvana. It wasn't Tommy Thayer. And it, it wasn't, wasn't Tommy Eric Thayer or any Eric Singer either. It was a, a classic shot of Kiss. It was dressed to kill a live Eric Kiss. And, you know, that's that was that was it, it's just it's a special thing. It was it was it was great, you know, and this is really the closing of that book. And the the inevitability at this point that they're going to reach their end point was obvious even at at that juncture even though it's taken several more years but we'll talk about that more on the next episode of no time to turn and uh which might well be the last episode of no time to turn look this is the end of the episode i'll bitch for a second i've tried to keep this show going (laughs) i've been like no 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 we could do more episodes we could do more episodes End of the road. But uh, executive producer over here has decided, nah, we're not doing this kiss farewell shit where we're padding out well, the Well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that on the next episode. So hopefully you all join us for the end of the road. 
And for Cap and Alex, I'm Russ, and we'll see you next time on No Time to Turn. Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash somethinggoodnetwork.